Wow, that disrespect list, huh? Um, talking today about respect. It's such a small word, two syllables, and yet there's so much with it. Um, I think I told you the other week that I would keep coming back to the same story. So we're going back to the garden because what God intended for marriage began in the garden. And rather than go through the whole thing, I'm just gonna point out, right, God intended for marriage to be a working together, that they couldn't do the task that we were brought in to help. And, and Eve is standing at the tree, listening to a lie. Her husband's next to her, and she makes a decision. She doesn't engage with him, which is ultimately disrespect. It is also disobedience because her choice was disobedience. And I just kind of played out, I just imagine, can't you imagine that there was a fight at one point where she totally blamed him for her eating the apple? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Adam, it was your fault that you didn't stop me. You can just feel that, right? Oh, that's so easy, right? Because she ends up saying, well, it was, Ad it, was, it was the serpent's fault and the whole blame game happens. But the result of that disrespect and their disobedience was marriage is going to be tough. The man had to work to control and the woman wanted to control him right back. So from the very beginning, disrespect eroded what God intended for marriage. We're here because we want a better marriage. We got to, um, yeah, we're here for that. So we're gonna look at what God intended. And if we look on any screen, handheld or otherwise, we're gonna hear about women's rights. We're gonna hear about equality. We're gonna hear about we should demand. We're going to basically see a pervasive disdain for men. And we're gonna go, I am entitled to disdain them because I'm so much better. Can you just feel that? Everywhere we look, but if we look at what God intended for marriage, a couple working in harmony, and that their disobedience made it hard, what we see in the world is actually an outflow of the lies and a breakdown of what God intended. In our books, um, Cynthia Held, in the first page, has on page 45, the amplified version of Ephesians 5, 33. A shortened version just says, and let the wife respect the husband. 
But in the Amplified, it has 12 verbs on what it means to respect. 12. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, that she regards him, that she honors him, prefers him, venerates him, and esteems him. Is anybody choking yet? And that she defers to him, praises him, loves him, and admires him a tiny bit. No, exceedingly. Okay, when I read that, I immediately like cringed just doing the Bible study and thinking about Rebecca and Isaac. Not only did she not prefer him or revere him or she deceived him and she taught her son to deceive him. Eve did not defer to her husband. This week I was doing the study, right? And I'm having some time with God and going, I'm wound up and I just can't settle down. And I just go, God, what, what is it? What do I... And he showed me an area that I did not defer to my husband. So I had to confess that this week and go, oh, and it was a little thing, but it wasn't. So I went and told him my struggle with God and trying to do this study and the talk and and that God revealed that I hadn't deferred to him in this way. And would he forgive me? And he did. It was beautiful. But I can tell you, it felt so different in the softness in my heart, which is so different than the disdain that is so easy to slip into. So, the reality is, I can't do the respect thing. I can't do the be moved to consider someone else as more important without being plugged in to a power source, right? That power source, right? Our phones have to get charged. I have to get charged. My watch has to get charged. Some of our earphones have to get charged, right? Do you ever think our souls and who we are has to get recharged? Sometimes we need to do a hard reset on the device of my heart and my perspective. And that, one of the things I, I loved reintroducing myself to this idea of the ACTS is that we don't go into our time with God always just with that. It's actually cleanse our hearts and get in the word and spend some time in the word because that sometimes does that reset for my mind and my heart. And in doing that, then I can adore because if I'm in a pissy mood, hormonal, tired, grumpy, or have a, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Nah. 
I have to actually get my mind on the things above. I have to choose to think about what is true and right and honorable and lovely and pure and admirable. But sometimes I can't think of those things. Go to the Word of God. I have to be plugged in and then I remember, oh yes, I can trust God because he is sovereign, he is wise, he is loving. I can trust him exceedingly. Oh yeah, trust God increasingly and increase my expectations of him. Decrease my expectations of my husband so I can let the power source flow through me to just do what God would have me do. But I have to be plugged in. One of the joys of Christmas time is, is gifts, right? Well, I have a secret joy, my, except now it's not so fun. A couple years ago, we got a I don't know, 1,500 piece Lego set that had nine bags. It was the Millennium Falcon. And I got to build it when my, when my son got tired. He did about four bags and I got to finish it, right? But we couldn't have made the Millennium Falcon, which was so cool and it had the old Han Solo, not the young one. And it, it, super cool. But without the instructions, it would have been a pile of blocks. Without someone creating it and telling me how to do it, it would have been a pile of blocks. Our time with God gets our mind straight on what the instructions are. Respecting our husband is part of the instructions. And yet, it is one of those things, not the only thing, that actually chafes. Um, and as I was praying about this, I'm like, okay, in a fresh way, God reminded me he made man and woman in his image. He made men needful of respect. He made women needful of love. How many times do you need to be told you are loved in a day? Never enough. Never enough! Well, if the other side of the coin is our husbands need to be respected, what if they actually can't hold respect to the same weight that we can't? hold that we're loved. Well, that doesn't seem so hard if you look at it like that because I forget and I need to be told I'm loved. I need a hug like every hour, I, right? I need to be told I'm loved because I forget. I need that from God. I need that from the people around me. My husband, bless him needs that in the same way, but not in love, in respect. And the cool thing is, 
I am made in the image of God and I reflect God in very particular ways as a woman in our ability to nurture, in our ability to embrace and hold, in our ability to encourage and launch. We as women speak life into people. That is in the image of God. Men in the image of God deserve respect because just as the Christ as Christ is the head of the church, and he laid down his life for the church, that is the responsibility that God has placed on a man. It is worthy of respect because he bears the image of God. And the degree to which I honor and trust God, that is the degree to which I can respect my husband because I'm trusting God. We are made in the image of God, male and female, and we have different needs and we show him differently because that was God's design. So God calls us to a life where we think of the other as more important, where we are pouring ourselves out. We are called to live this life, and we can live the life, we can be the wife, but if we do this, having given up restful dependence on God, it will all be stressful, self-life striving. Therefore, we have to be plugged into the power source. We cannot do this on our own strength. We have to be dependent on God. We cannot do what he has called us to do without his empowering. That's why we have to be, dude, ladies, every morning, if we're not in the word, if we're not plugged into God, I am depleted. There's no escaping that. But God is faithful and will provide. So I put myself before him and trust him to show up exceedingly. I love that Candy brought forth these verses because before I actually, even though I had it, I didn't actually read them all, but God was like, I put myself before God and do the work. And we do the ACTS and we be filled. So we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. He will show up and he will empower. Um, so, I just want to read that list again, and I want to just go, you have, a, you have a sheet in your packet that has 10 verbs. Respect and reveres aren't on there, but it's the 10 additional words. So <clears throat> I'm just going to remind us again, the amplified version is on page 45 of your Bible study. Let the wife see that, I, I always add in, see to it that you, right? See to it that you respect him. That is to consider, fill in your husband's name. 
to consider him as worthy of high regard, to revere him, which means to regard or treat with honor and respect. Notices him. Do you notice him the way you noticed him that first day? Do you see him? Are you aware of him? Regards him. Okay, this one had like five definitions. Regards, to consider and appraise. That seems very much like I'm going to buy a car. Um, to pay attention to, again, the notice. To show respect or consider, to be considerate. To hold in high esteem. And to regard is simply to look at. Do you look and see your husband? Honors him to regard or treat with admiration and respect. Prefers him to like better or best. <laughs> Do you like better or best your husband? Esteems him to set a high value on. Regard highly and prize accordingly. Is he a prize in your heart? defers to him, submit to another's wishes, opinions, or governance, usually through respect. I'm just going to read that again. Defers, which means submitting to another's wishes, opinions, or governance, usually through respect. Praises him to express favorable judgment of, to glorify by the attributions. Loves to hold dear, to like or desire actively. Do you actively like your husband? Admires him exceedingly to feel respect and approval for in an extreme way. Oh my word. On page 50, Cynthia held actually, um, this first paragraph after insight from an older woman, I'm just gonna read. Respect is a choice of the will. I can choose to focus on my husband's good qualities. You've made a list, right? I actually encourage you on the back side of it, I wrote the 12 verbs that are the synonyms for respect. That God may prick my mind. How can I choose to actively See, notice, regard, so that God can stir me up. I choose to focus on my husband's good qualities and to give him the honor due him because every one of us. Okay, there are about four people that I know who did not choose who they married. Literally. I know people who are in arranged marriages. In this culture, we don't have an arranged marriage. Every one of us willingly chose our spouse. We preferred him. We noticed him and liked him better above all others. Therefore, I give him the honor due him because I did choose him above all others to be my lifelong mate. I can also choose to esteem my husband because the word of God asks me to see to it that I do. The model of respect for me is the respect the church is to give Christ. 
how do I reverence and consider Christ in my life? The same attitude is to be shared with my husband. It is easy in the world's eyes to disdain and to go, you just got to earn it. Well, can you earn the love that you want? I can't. But I can live into that love. Our husbands can't always, in our eyes, live up to our expectations. But when we respect them, they live into our respect and get bigger. And the bigger we respect them, the bigger they get. And the more we see of their good qualities, the more good qualities there are to see. But if all we focus on is our pissy attitude and disdain of the world, then that is all we will ever see and get. But through the grace of God, we can respect this man that we chose and that God put in our life because God is sovereign. God is good and he is wise. We have to focus purposely on his good points. Marriage is not to be about one of us or the other. It is about us working together in harmony and thus glorify God. It is about a house built together, built with wisdom as God strengthens and guides us and shows us how to do that. So we obey the maker's instructions. As we obey and trust, God blesses. So we depend on him to do the impossible. He has said in his word, he will guide us. He will whisper in our ear and show us the way to go. He will lead us and he'll give us everything that we need. We trust him and everything else will follow. My job is to trust and obey. And I cannot do that without being on my knees before him every day. Because I am forgetful and I hear the lies every day to believe about myself or my husband or my situation. And every day I have to choose trust. And it gets easier and some days are harder. But God is with us through it all. So, on the back of your husband's good point list, write out those 12 verbs. Um, and pray that God would show you how to meet those needs. We have to remember to put our effort into listening to God's words and God's truth, not any of the lies, which say that respect has to be earned. Because when we believe that respect has to be earned, then we wield our respect as a weapon against our husbands to get what I believe to be right. Ooh. Respect is a gift because we trust God. So there's a story that will kind of make this practical, okay? So I'm gonna do a quick story and I'm just gonna kind of read it. We're gonna have story time. Okay, so snuggle in with your blankets and, okay. Once upon a time, there was a happily married couple. Yeah, well, and they had a big lawn. The lawn was Bob's job. Bob is married to Sue. Bob's in charge of the lawn, and Bob says, I'll mow the lawn. The lawn's this high. 
Sue's this mad. So she goes, Bob, can you mow the lawn? Bob doesn't mow it. <laughs> Sue wants to be helpful. So she explains to him why this is so important for her that he might mow the lawn. He didn't mow it. Sue then tries another tactic. She didn't say anything. Can't you see? Can't you hear not saying anything? The lawn is not mown. <sighs> Sue comes to Bob. If you don't mow this lawn, I'm going to call your father. He'll mow it. Bob mows the lawn. my word. Okay, so what happened? The lawn got mowed, so Sue's happy because <sighs> the lawn got mowed, but truthfully, she had to parent her spouse. She had to, like, anyway, she parented him, and so she's really kind of angry about this. Bob feels bossed around, manipulated, hurt, defeated, disrespected. Is this going to change next time? No, it's probably going to be the same thing because the heart is not changed here. The behavior is addressed, but not the heart. So Bob will plan ahead to tell his dad that Sue is pretty anal about the lawn. Uh, Sue's acting all happy, but Bob's still pretty angry. So their kids who watch this, little Bobby and little Susie, have learned new rules about how to make somebody do what you want them to do. Little Bobby and little Susie have learned that the lawn is more important than daddy. Do we make our issues bigger than our marriage? Little Bobby and little Susie needs uh, now see who actually wears the pants in the family. Little Susie will grow up to wear the pants and follow that example. And little Bobby will be learning how to be passive aggressive at an early age. Sounds like bliss. Uh, not really, right? Let's try this from another perspective. Um, life times two. We're going to do a redo. Bob has said that he would mow the lawn. He hasn't, and the lawn is this high. Sue mentions it. He doesn't mow. Okay, starts out the same. Here's where the two stories diverge. Sue goes to God in prayer. She wrestles with why the lawn matters so much. Image, what the neighbors will think. This is the way it's supposed to be. And she has to confess that. She struggles with her desire to make her husband do it, to desire to rule over him, recognizing that that is straight from the fall. Asks God, as she plugs into the power source, 
to be filled with his perspective and to gain wisdom. So she goes to her husband. Bob, is there something that you would like me to do to help get the lawn done? Is there anything you would like? When we ask a question, we have to be prepared for both answers. If he says yes, she's prepared to follow through. This may mean taking another task off, his, off of his hands, making a phone call to find a neighborhood boy to do it, or doing it herself. She's prepared ahead of time with what is and isn't appropriate for her to take on for him. If he asks her to do more than she can or should, she kindly tells him so and asks if there's another way to help. Kindness is the rule. Now, if Bob says no, there's nothing for you to do to help me with this. She has to drop it. Kind of like asking our husbands to answer the questions and saying thank you. So, Sue then looks for and expects God. Remember, we have increased our expectations vastly of our God to come through and decreased our expectations of our husband. So she looks for and expects God to work through Bob through the freedom she is giving him to do or not do the task that he said he would. She knows that the groundwork is being laid by letting Bob be ultimately responsible for what he has said he will do. And that will reap a better harvest as the years go by. She will neither enable irresponsibility by doing it or nagging or cause dissension by making an issue out of it. As she waits and expected, as she waits expectantly on God, her children see something different. They see daddy's in charge of the lawn and mommy's not in charge of daddy. They may even notice on their own and ask daddy about the lawn because they can't play in it anymore. They can't see you over the ground, right? Whatever. Then Bob will have to explain to them the situation and Sue doesn't orchestrate this. Sue then knows that as she prays for Bob to become what God wants him to be, she's first praying that she is who God wants her to be and letting Bob be entrusted to God, trusting that God is working in Bob's life in ways she cannot see. When her husband does not receive the expected disapproval and nagging, he relaxes. He relaxes. And in that quiet relaxation, he actually can feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can convict and prompt and encourage him to rise up because we've shut up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> encouraging Bob to rise up and be the man of the house that God is calling him to be. Left alone, he eventually gets around to the lawn. 
even if it's gone weeks. God supernaturally can put other men in Bob's life who encourage, convict, or challenge Bob regarding household chores or best. Bob and Sue visit another couple and observe them bickering over chores that he hasn't done. Bob's embarrassed for the other man and becomes grateful that Sue does not treat him that way. Hmm. His gratitude translates into a vow to do more for his sweet wife, who's asking nicely and criticizes so rarely. And God is so pleased with Sue's obedience that he moves in her life in ways that she never would have guessed. Bob gets an unexpected raise, hires a lawn service so Sue doesn't have to be embarrassed by the overgrown lawn anymore. He gets taken care of because Bob's not a J. Okay. <laughs> Bob and Sue now can sit on the front porch together in the evening, looking over the lawn, enjoying quiet conversation and iced teas or whatever else. And God smiles because Sue increased her expectations vastly of God. Now, the last page in your handout today is a letter. Storytime will wrap up with this letter. Um, Abba is the affectionate Greek term for daddy. So I will actually say daddy God. My dearest Pamela. Okay, it's to everybody. So my dearest lady. I am writing this letter to respond to your application for the position of Holy Spirit in your husband's life. While I appreciate your keen desire to see him improve and your enthusiasm to be an active part of the process, I am sorry to inform you that this position has been previously filled. At this time, I do not anticipate any future vacancy as it is a permanent, eternal position filled from within the management team. Please, therefore, seize and desist in any and all efforts to change, rearrange, advise, direct, or correct your husband. In consideration of your desire and enthusiasm, however, I am pleased to offer you the position of helpmeet. This position requires love, humility, and most of all, close communication with the director of husband activities and attitudes. It calls for a cooperative spirit an ability to take direction and apply principles with creativity and a willingness to be patient and pleasant while the committee, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, works our plan. If you have any difficulty at any time or any question whatsoever, I am accessible 24-7 for consultation. In addition, I have available a great number of resources, including a book I wrote myself and quite a number of women who can assist. 
May I personally encourage you by the knowledge that the better you fulfill, fulfill the position of helpmeet, the more rapidly the Holy Spirit can get his work done in your husband. Thank you for your interest in my plan for him. As you may know, I love him very much. With love, grace, and mercy, your daddy.